Now, you, you graduated med school, yeah. uh, but you are not a doctor. Tell me about that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The offices of Startup Incredible Health are located in San Francisco's South of Market neighborhood. The door to the office, so nondescript, it would make a good safe house for the CIA. Now, once you find the right door, you have to get through it. Sorry. <laughs> um, of course I'm going to record this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, okay. Oh, you're actually going to record it? What do you sure. mean? What do you mean? That I, I forgot know. that I'm a reporter. Yes, yeah, so you forgot your keys and we're standing out here in the street. That's Incredible Health CEO Iman Abuzaid. She has both an MD and an MBA. She's got millions in funding from Andreessen Horowitz, but what she doesn't have this particular morning are keys to the front door. I hope someone replies to me. <laughs> okay, hold on. She's using the company's Slack channel to try to get someone inside to come to the door and let us in. Problem is, Incredible Health takes pride in its work-from-home policy. Now, we found some keys. It turns out there actually was a single employee inside the office who missed his boss's message on Slack. Matt, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Matt, I slacked the SF office channel, and I was like, is there anyone in the office? I was, I was just talking to, uh... Sorry. It's okay. You're talking to an engineer. So we uh, made the decision a few months ago to operate as a remote-first company. And so that had lots of, you know, different impacts. So first is uh, we were able to hire talent outside the Bay Area. And so now 70% of our team is, is outside, outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, but then the second impact it had is like on office culture, right? So <laughs> we have a San Francisco office, um, but it's optional to use. And so at, on any given day, there's probably at most, you know, one to six people here. And this is an office that holds close to 100 people. Is it the same people coming into the office most of the time? There are sort of these, there are office people and then there are home people? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and what was it, Max? He's, a, he's an office guy? Uh, Matt, yeah, he's, he's an office guy. <laughs> Incredible Health works with nurses and hospitals as a matchmaker service. It's been incredibly successful. We'll get more detail on that later. But the most striking thing right now is this is my first time back inside a startup since the pandemic started, 
and it is empty. I mean, the biggest impact the, the remote, remote first and the pandemic has had is, is the ability to hire anywhere in the country. Yeah. Uh, and so when we, when we initially announced remote first, I think immediately five, five different team members were like, I'm out of here out of the Bay Area completely and have moved to Virginia, have moved to Philadelphia. I mean, permanent, I mean, these are, these are individuals with families, um, with homes, you know, sold their houses in the Bay Area and left. I was talking to Tom Siebel the other day and he said, no, he wants all hands on deck. He said, unless we're shoulder to shoulder, we don't, we don't get the creativity that we need. And we're confident that when you're inventing new things, they need to get very bright people together to work kind of shoulder to shoulder collaboratively to get the work done. Obviously, you disagree with that, or maybe your requirements are different. Yeah, I think you have to, uh, as a CEO and as a leadership team, we've had to really consciously um, ensure that the remote first approach works from a productivity standpoint and from a creativity standpoint, to his point, right? So uh, we've had to implement like several different processes and communication procedures and so on. So for example, um, the ability to join an ad hoc Zoom at any time, right? That's just like a cultural norm now. Uh, another one is uh, the importance of documentation, right? Because you can't just, you know, pass by someone and explain, explain an instruction or something. And so things have to be documented. Uh, but certainly uh, also when you show up to a meeting or a Zoom call, I mean, we did this in person as well, is Make sure you got all your ducks in a row. Make sure you have your agenda. Like uh, you sent it out ahead of time. You've identified the problems you want to cover, and so on. Um, and so some. And then we've also increased our communication cadence. So we do more one-on-ones now. All hands is not just every other month. It's every it's every two weeks now. Uh, and so uh, we we've really uh, increased the the frequency of the communication with the team because we're not interacting as much as we used to. You know, one of the the classic things that a CEO says is, "My door is always open." Are there CE or are, I'm sorry? Are there employees that you have not yet met in person? Uh, there are, yeah. In person, yes. There's a huge number that I haven't met in person. I think we have 60 team members now. I think, gosh, at least 40 of them have been hired in the last few months. At least 40, and probably more. So yeah, there's many, many team members I've never met in person. Wow. So you're you're solving a nursing shortage. Economically, there shouldn't be a nursing shortage in the sense that they get paid a pretty good amount of money in the Bay Area. It's a highly respected job. People think well of it. Uh, I have no doubt it's a very difficult job. But why is there a nursing shortage? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it has to do with the, the demographics of the United States, right, and globally. So our demand for healthcare as a country keeps going up because our population is aging. Um, of course, pandemics don't help. They add another strain on that demand, too. Uh, and so as a result of that, uh, the supply of workers has not, caught up, has not kept up with the demand. Um, and there's many different bottlenecks in the system. So, for example, uh, there aren't enough nursing schools that can train nurses. There's, nursing schools have huge wait lists. Uh, another bottleneck is the training after nursing school. Not many hospitals and health systems are willing to train uh, new graduate nurses, so there's very few programs. So there's lots of different bottlenecks in the system that is, is really limiting the, su- the, the supply. So you put hospitals and nurses together. I've heard you, you know, and other people refer to it as the match.com of, of, of nursing. Uh, is there something beyond that, or is that is that your what your plan is, your charter, your just to, to attach nurses to hospitals, get nurses into hospitals? Yeah, no, it's definitely beyond that. So our, our mission as a company is to help healthcare professionals live better lives and help them find and do their best work. 
So today we are a career marketplace uh, for, for nurses, right? So hospitals and health systems, they use our software to hire nurses in 20 days or less, where it normally takes like 80 days or longer. Um, right now we are, right now in 2021, we're very focused on just nurses and acute care hospitals and health systems, and we're expanding geographically. We're in 14 states today, we'll be in 18 states in a few weeks, we'll be in the entire country by early next year. After that, our plans are to add more types of healthcare workers beyond nurses, uh, like you know, doctors, physical therapists, pharmacists, so on. There's shortages in all these areas, and they can benefit from a product like this. And then other types of employers in healthcare beyond the acute care health systems, right? So there's urgent care and surgical centers and, and so on. Um, healthcare is the biggest labor sector in the country by number of workers uh, and by total dollars spent on, spent on the labor too. Uh, and but it is the sector that has the biggest shortages. Like the the demand, the, the supply is just not keeping up with the demand. And so that that uh, you know our ambition is to be the category defining market leading company in healthcare labor. Tell me about the path to getting um, to getting funded. Yeah, so we've uh, in total have raised seventeen million dollars in venture capital to date. Um, we've been around. We started this company in two thousand seventeen, so just over four years ago. Um, you know, we, our, our seed round was led by James Joaquin at Obvious Ventures. Our Series A was led by Jeff Jordan and Andreessen Horowitz. We've been very uh, fortunate in a lot of ways that both rounds of funding were always oversubscribed and we were able to be very selective as founders and, 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 and could pick, you know, whichever, whichever investors we wanted. Uh, and so uh, we have a, you know, so I've been, we've been re- really, really fortunate with the investors that we have. Explain to someone who maybe doesn't know a lot about venture what it means to be funded by Andreessen Horowitz? Yeah, that's a great question. All right, uh, in my opinion, and you know, there, there will be others that disagree with my opinion, uh, being funded by Andreessen Horowitz is an unfair advantage you can have as a CEO. Uh, because they they bring a lot to the table, and you know I'm not I'm not trying sit here, sitting here trying to be an advertisement for Andreessen Horowitz. Case. I, I, I <laughs> but but I just I just want to highlight some of the benefits of, of working with them. Uh, number one, first and foremost, the partner Jeff Jordan that I work with is I mean he is the master of marketplaces. I mean he was the CEO at Open Table, the president of eBay, the early investor and board member at Airbnb, Pinterest. Um, Instacart, so on. So, I mean, he, he, he knows marketplaces like the back of his hand. So if you are a marketplace founder, which, which is what I am, uh, having that level of expertise at the board that's at your fingertips is really helpful. Now, in addition to that, um, they have spent a lot of time building a huge brand. Uh, and that brand is now known nationally, if not globally. And it's definitely very well known in tech. So when it comes to hiring, was probably which is probably one of the number one things that I have to achieve as a CEO, having a large brand like that does give credibility to the company and help, and definitely helps with, an empl- with employee hiring. Um, and then the, th- the third thing that they have helped with is just all their additional services. I mean, they have an army there. There's, I think there's over 200 people there now and growing. And so um, their talent team has helped us uh, with executive hiring. Their, you know, their, their marketing and PR team has helped us connect us to reporters. Their, uh, their market dev team has also helped us connect to hospital executives. So really, there's not really much more I can ask for from a, from a venture capital firm in terms of, you know, quote unquote, value add. Um, and it has, uh, working with them, of course, the, the credit and the effort goes to the founders and the team, but having them has, has helped. It's been an accelerant. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You were asked by a previous reporter about stamps on your resume. This was with Shivari Johari. And you said that's a controversial topic. To be honest with you, I had to look up what that even meant. And you answered, in my case specifically, having these brands mattered. When fundraising, selling, getting a job, there's a distinct advantage if you have McKinsey on your resume or you have Wharton on your resume, which you do. You said this is the easiest way for deciding how to categorize you, the single one among many. You know, that's that's too bad, isn't it? Is it is too bad. Yeah, and, but bad. yet it still exists. It still exists. I mean, if you remember that Netflix documentary where the, what, where the parents were... The, the whole USC fiasco. Oh, yeah. Parents were bribing yeah. <laughs> schools yes. to get a varsity, yeah, varsity blues. I, I mean, un- unfortunately, that's a lot of how our society operates. And it's, it's I, I agree, it is too bad because if you don't have, like, you shouldn't be judged based on that. But you were. And you said in my case specifically, it was important. Why is that? Um, I think my case specifically, it was important because the statistics for uh, founders and CEOs that look like me are pretty are pretty atrocious, um, you know, less than I am, you know, for those of you listening, I am, <laughs> I, am uh, I am black and I am also a female. And so, uh, you know, less than 1% of venture capital goes to black founders and 0.3% of venture capital goes to black female founders. And so, um, look, the, the statistics are the statistics, the odds are stacked against you. And so, you, you know, you, you need to do whatever you can to, to overcome that. And, and the brands helped, as well as many other things. Sure, <laughs> Like having course. a great story and a, and, right. and, and, and a, a market fit. And so yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, your public relations person, in fact, wanted to make sure that I knew that you were a black CEO and you could speak to that unique challenge. Yeah. But your background is actually cosmopolitan. You're from Sudan. Correct. Uh, you grew up in Saudi Arabia and the United Kingdom. Um, How long have you been in the United States? I've been here since 2009, so about 11 years. Okay, now, as a middle-aged, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant man, I sometimes hesitate to, to, to get into this discussion, but... You've had a very different black experience, haven't you, than, yeah. than the average uh, African-American? I, I would agree. I mean, I'm also, you know, you can categorize me as an immigrant. That's sure. Well, you are yeah. an immigrant. You are an immigrant. <laughs> yep. But, but because I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking a blind question. Yeah. What does that mean for you, if anything, 
uh, that you are a black woman in America, but you've been a black woman in America since 2009. Well, correct. I mean, uh, the issues around race and, and the issues that America deals with are, are global in nature. I mean, it was it's very similar problems in other other parts of the uh, other parts of the world. Um, so it's not like it's not unique to the American experience, to be honest. Um, you know, same similar challenges in the UK, in the Middle East, and in other yeah. places I've lived. Um, I, I mean, look, I try. I honestly try not to fixate on that uh, because. It's it's great to be aware of it and be aware of the issues and the statistics and so on. But what you have to do uh, as a as a black founder or a professional black professional in general is um, almost like uh, compartmentalize, right? Because it's not it's not um, from a mental standpoint, it's not great. In my opinion, it's not great to fixate on it. Uh, at the end of the day. Like you have goals you want to achieve, you have things you want to get done. I mean, you just got to go do it, right? And 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 just be as uh, as assertive as you can and as professional and as, and, and just, you know, just deliver on the excellence as much as you can. And that's in every situation. It could be fundraising, could be, you know, encouraging employees to join the company, it could be selling the customers and so on, or working with reporters. Um, you know, it's just, you just have to put your best foot forward. One of the commonalities that anyone from any culture has is that our parents put pressure on us to achieve. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, I didn't even have to ask the question, do I? You just go ahead, just answer the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, my my father is a my father is a surgeon, you know, and uh, I, I do come from a from a, a family family members of a family of high achievers. Say, yeah. Well, um, what do your brothers do? Uh, my two older brothers are surgeons as well. Mm-hmm. And my sister is a UX designer. My youngest brother is a product manager. <laughs> and did so, you go to med school? And I did go to med school, <laughs> and I and I do have an MBA, right? Um, from 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 Wharton. So uh, yeah, achieving excellence was drilled into us from an early age. Just put it put it that way. Now you you graduated med school. Yeah. Uh, but you are not a doctor. Tell me about that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, honestly, yeah, my dad wasn't thrilled, but I think he's gotten over it now. Uh, you know, going to medical school was, I mean, I have no regrets. I think working as a doctor, is a, it's a phenomenal profession. It has tons of satisfaction with it. For me personally, uh, you know, one-on-one patient care was phenom- was great, but I really wanted to have an impact on a, on a, on a systems level. And that's, that's hard to do when you're just doing clinical medicine. Uh, and so that is why I pursued the path that, that I did, and now you know, now arrived at running a software or uh, technology company. And the ma- most amazing thing about software is, is its ability to scale and its, abil- its ability to impact, you know, in our case, tens of thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of, of, of people. So um, that's the, the impact is what's really motivated me to leave medicine and pursue the path that, that, that I have. I always enjoy on Twitter when, you know, somebody offers an opinion and somebody says, well, what would you know? And the person says, well, I, I wrote the book that we're talking about. <laughs> You've right. seen those, right? Yeah. Have you had a situation in which people sat down in a conference room and said, well, you know, I really respect you as a, as a Silicon Valley CEO, but here, let, let me explain to you about medicine, where you got to say, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm an MD. Yeah, that, that has definitely happened. It's happened a lot, actually, in the last 12 months uh, in the context of COVID, because, uh, you know, we can talk about it, but COVID has had lots of different impact on our business. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always funny when it happens. It's, it's, <laughs> it's also got to be a little satisfying, right? Like, oh, yes, I also am a physician. Yes. Right. <laughs> and if, you know, on the med Twitter and is a whole thing. Um, yeah. You know, even beyond tech Twitter. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you saw Incredible Health a couple of years ago, uh, 
and were thinking about investing in it, what would have been your any hesitations? What would you have met with your partners and said, yes, but? Oh, that's a great question. Because <laughs> I was so convinced, you know, I mean, it's a very hard question because I was fully bought in. It was, it was designed that way. Yeah, and <laughs> knew, knew we were going to succeed. Um, I would say when we started, like when we were raising our seed round, so but this is back, like rewind times to like 2017, right? And at this point, we're two founders, we're an idea, we were, you know, a few lines of code, but not much traction. I mean, our our uh, lot, our missing traction at the time was a re- was a reason why many many individuals said no, uh, and why other funds said no. Um, However, for the for those that said yes, I mean, I think it's 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 paying off for them well. And uh, at the end of the day, and and I take this ethos even when I'm investing in in the early stage, is like you're betting on the founders, you're betting on the team at that early stage, uh, and ensuring that they that they can figure it out. And um, even even at that early stage, we had a pretty clear story, uh, mission, vision. Mark, we'd analyze the heck out of the market, the customers, so on. And, and knew what we were going to build and what the what the differentiators were going to be for the product. So we had we had our act together, to be honest. Um, the only thing missing though was attraction. Lots of people have ideas, and one of them could easily be, you know, it seems like there's a nursing shortage, and we ought to be able to get you know nurses in hospitals to connect. Well, anybody can can come up with that. Uh, it's figuring out the solution that is is the hard part. Why does your solution? Why is your solution better? Yeah, there's a few different things. There's a few different aspects to our solution that make it better and make it work. Um, first, the, the, on our platform, the employers are applying to the talent instead mm-hmm. of the other way around. As you can imagine, the nurses absolutely love that. Um, the second is we've we've automated um, the screening or pre-vetting of the talent at, at scale, um, and so through integrations with other databases and so on, we're able to uh, serve up the highest quality talent possible. And then the third thing is our custom matching algorithms. What that enables is, uh, is is a highly personalized experience for both sides of the platform. So, for example, let's say you're a recruiter at, um, let's pick one of our local hospitals. Let's pick Stanford, right? When you, if you are a Stanford recruiter and you log in, like you don't want to see 200 nurses. Like you need to see like 11 that are the exact right fit for you at the time. Mm-hmm. Same thing from a nurse. If you if you are a highly sought after OR nurse, like you don't want to hear from 100 employers. You want to hear from five that are the exact right fit for you. And that's what our custom matching algorithms enable. Now, those three things are what ultimately enable the, uh, the accelerant, the speed accelerant that happens. So the hiring is now happening in 20 days instead of the national average of 80 days. Um, and, and also we save, the cost savings for the hospital and health system are huge. We, on average, we save at least $2 million, $2 million per facility um, every year. And we do, we're doing that because by being well-staffed with permanent nurses, they don't have to spend as much on contract workers, which are usually two or three times more expensive, uh, and they can see, they have the ability to see more patients as well. Just want to conclude with looking out. We're sitting in a conference room with a big glass window, and there are all kinds of desks and, and cubicles and whatnot. And one person out there, and we started by talking about that you know the people are working remotely. What do you think this scene will look like, you know, a year from now? Will you be in San Francisco? Will there be people in those chairs, or are you going to continue as as is? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's uh, we haven't made the decision yet, but it's if I had to guess, we would not have an, a San Francisco office anymore, um, and instead we'll shift that budget to actually meeting and meeting in different cities <laughs> every quarter or something like that. That would be fascinating. That would be really fun. Yeah. 
And uh, I, so I think it's, we're already operating in a way that as if the San Francisco office doesn't really exist. Uh, you know, it's, 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 except for Max. Yeah, except for Max. Uh, so the utilization is pretty low. So um, yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look pretty different a year from now. Iman Abuzaid, co-founder and CEO at Incredible Health. Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.